to give. We're going to continue that every first Wednesday of the month, Tuesday and Wednesday of the month. I wanted to take time, however, to speak on the other gifts that God provided to the church. Tonight, we're going to focus on the ministerial office gifts, and probably we're going to be on this for a few months, praise God, Um, because I'd really like to break these down. I feel like there's so much, and you know what, I'm actually convicted because as I've studied on this and pursued things, there isn't a lot of teaching on this topic. Um, even in the apostolic circles, there's little tidbits here and there, but there's not an in-depth teaching, and there's obvious, as we'll see in this course, there's obvious in-depth teaching from the Word of God, things that we can acquire about the ministerial office gifts, and they are, I believe, some of the most important gifts for the church and the continual growth of the church. They are essential. So if you don't know what the ministerial office his gifts. We're going to read them now. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, starting at verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. We're going to skip all this and go to verse 11. And he gave some apostles, everyone say apostles, some prophets, everyone say prophets, some evangelists, everyone say evangelists, some pastors, everyone say pastors, and teachers, everybody say teachers. Now he's going to go into the reason, the purpose of, of the fivefold ministry. It is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And now he is beginning to show the goals of the fivefold ministry. The goal is that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So that is the goal. It's a mouthful, but uh, certainly that is the pursuit of the fivefold ministry. How will we say a word of prayer? Ask that God speak to us and minister to our hearts as we go through this. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We invite you to do a work in this house. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to understand your word and your will. Lord, help us to gather all of this in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire us today. If those, Lord, there are people in this house, I pray that you 
you would call them today. Give them clarification on their ministry today. Help them, Lord Jesus, to see where you've placed them in your body today. Help them, Lord God, to gather your heart, Lord Jesus, to understand your plan and will for the in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. We claim it, Lord God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody shout amen. You may be seated. All right, we're talking today about the ministerial office gifts. That's what we just read about. Another uh, term for this is the five-fold ministries. That is what I typically call it, ministerial office gifts, kind of like a modern way of saying it. But I, I am kind of old school. That's what we used to call it, the five-fold ministry. Today, I'll probably use that term more than the other. But just know they're the same things. We're talking about the ministerial offices of the church. These are spiritual offices that God has placed in the church for the sake of the saints and for the betterment of the saints and church. You know, I think it's funny that some men think they are God's gift to women, right? Hallelujah. And sadly, some men think that they are God's gift to the church as well. They think that they're all that, right, and that they've got it all together and everything. Well, the fact is, is God did create a balance of giftings in the church. Uh, as as we've talked about, and we're going to continue to talk about the first Wednesday and Tuesday nights, um, the spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, there's a diversity of spiritual gifts, but all are important, Right. We don't want to kick out prophecy for the working of miracles. And we wouldn't want to kick out the working of miracles for the gifts of healing. All of the spiritual gifts are essential, just as all of the serving gifts are essential. We'll talk about that hopefully in time. But uh, we have to also realize that all of the offices are also essential and important to the church. The, we also have to recognize that the fivefold ministries where the spiritual gifts are giftings unto men to be used by God for the edifying of the church, the ministry office gifts are specifically given for the church. The fivefold ministries are considered God's gift to the church as a whole. So this isn't an office that God gifts me in. This is the gifts of the offices to the church, and that's important as we go along because there's some people who want to grab on to one of these titles, right? And they want to force themselves into that office. And no doubt that God most certainly can lead us and use us in one office above the other, but at the end of the day, these are not our offices, These are his offices, right? And these are the church's offices. They are built for the church, not for me. Uh, So that means if, if, you know, the pastoral, pastoral position is uh, raised higher than the prophet position, I can't walk over and demand the pastoral position. Or if the prophetic uh, anointing in a church is raised above the others, I can't walk over and say, well, I'm going to get that one because that's God's gift to me. 
At the end of the day, these are giftings to the church and offices for the church. And thank God if we can even be part of one. Hallelujah. Thank God if God uses us in any way in the church. Praise God. The purposes of the church, and we read them, but we're going to break them down right here. The purposes of the five-fold ministries are to, number one, perfect. Everybody say perfect. To perfect the saints. In other words, to teach biblical commandments and principles for the church to live sinless lives. Hallelujah. Thank God there are preachers and ministers in the church that help us to know how to live sinless lives before the Lord. Thank God there's ministers in the church that can open up the Word of God and say, Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Oh, come on. Anybody else thankful for that? I'm thankful that I had a pastor who would stand up on Sundays, Wednesdays, and any other opportunity he got. And he would open up the Bible and he'd tell us exactly what God said in the Word of God. He would break it down for us so that we could understand it and so that we could ultimately apply it to our life. Oh, thank God. I'm not claiming that I'm perfect, but if there's any part of me that's become close to perfection. It's because I had a minister in my life. I've had the fivefold ministry in my life to mold me and to shape me and to perfect me. Oh, praise God. Thank God there was a preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God there's a preacher. You know, preachers are supposed to get us ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the ministerial office's gifts are. I'm not claiming that you must be a preacher to operate in them. Hallelujah. But I, And I mean a pulpit preacher. Hallelujah. But they are ministers who are able to help to perfect us. Uh, Brother Ken and I were having a Bible study yesterday. We were talking about Noah and his great responsibility of building an ark. But as he was building the ark, he also had a responsibility to preach to those who were in that earth at that time and to warn them that the rains were coming and that they needed to get on the ark. Not only at 500 years old did he have to build a giant boat, but he also had to become a preacher. Hallelujah. But thank God somebody was out there preaching Because if not for Noah preaching and bringing at least his family, none of us would be here right now. Thank God there are people who've got a burden enough to go out there and preach and try to perfect the saints. Praise God. Of course, we know we are to go and preach the gospel. But Jesus also said, teaching them all things whatsoever I command thee. Now, that right there is a big one. (laughs) Preaching the gospel could be easy. I could preach a gospel in two minutes. Preaching all things whatsoever he commands me, that takes a lifestyle and a lifetime. That's why the fivefold ministry are in the church, because they help to teach all that Jesus has for us. Uh, Praise God. Not just one area, not just a little area, but all of the oracles of God. That's why we need the balance of the church in the fivefold ministry. 
Because if not for the prophets, we would be lacking. If not for evangelists, we would be lacking. Pastors, teachers, apostles, if not for the balance of all, we would be lacking. And lacking would mean we would not find perfection. It is only through the balance of the fivefold ministry that we can become perfected. That's why here this evening I'm praying that God would call some people to the fivefold ministry and put a burden in our hearts that says, I want to be instrumental in doing my part to perfect the saints. I want to be instrumental in perfecting the saints of the Most High God. Oh, Sandy. The second purpose is to equip. If we read Ephesians 4 and 12, we may become confused. For it says it is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Because of the comma use in the King James Version, it becomes confusing. It would appear that the fivefold ministry are in charge of the work of the ministry. And they're put in charge of performing the work of the ministry. In actuality, the, the original Greek, we find that it's actually saying that the fivefold ministries are to perfect the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Now, no doubt the fivefold ministry must be involved in that work. But it is not only the pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles' job to work in the ministry. Today, if you're not a part of these offices, you are part of the ministry. And you are called to do a work for God. You are called to get your hands dirty in the work. Praise God. The work is not reserved for the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is here to help equip us. For the work of the ministry, praise God. It is to help equip us, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Certainly, to equip the saints means to train the saints. Train to help them learn how to operate in the ministry. How to do the work. But if we're called to be fivefold ministry and to train others how to do it, we got to do it ourselves. Praise God. Hallelujah. I tell you, before my wife and I became pastors of this church, there wasn't a ministry at our old church that we were not a part of. And we didn't, we weren't in, our hands weren't dirty in the work. From, we were put in charge of cleaning the church. We, we designed the schedule every week. We encouraged and got other people to help us, and we did that. That was a job we had every week. I was a youth pastor. Every week we taught in a youth class and did youth services. I was preaching on a daily basis to the people who were there. We were teaching Bible studies. I was teaching Sunday school. Every now and then they'd have a big Sunday school service, and they'd usually ask me to do it. I'd preach it, and we'd you know, see a move of God in the Sunday school. Hallelujah, because... That's what you do to prepare. 
If you want to be a part of the fivefold mission, you want to have a leadership role in the church, then you need to get your hands dirty in the work today. Praise God. Become a servant today. Because the only way you can train others is if you have first been equipped yourself. It, the fivefold ministry to equip means to train. It also means to organize, to lead. We are the, the fivefold ministry is to help to organize, lead, to perform the work of the ministry, to guide the workers, to help them to understand how to operate in the ministry. This is so important that the fivefold ministry take time to equip the saints. And then the body Bible tells us that their purpose is for edification, to edify. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edify actually means to build up. To build up the church numerically and spiritually. The fivefold ministry is not here attempting to tear down, but they're attempting to build up, to help people to grow up. Hallelujah. And this is an overall oversight of the church. The fivefold ministry has a heart and a passion to see the church grow, to see numbers added into the pews, to see prayer times expand. Come on now to see that the ministry is going on more clearly and better. That needs to become the heart of every person in the fivefold ministry. It is to build up, to help the church to, to have a revival mindset. Not just to sit back and uh, just go on with their lives. No, the fivefold ministry is here with a little poker, poking everybody. We gotta grow. We gotta keep moving forward. We, we can't, you can't just sit there. You gotta keep on studying your Bible and praying and fasting. Praise the Lord. Oh, Hata Ramosa. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That's what the fivefold ministry does. They have a passion, a burden to keep building, to keep building. Hallelujah. That's why in the fivefold ministry, these are not called, as I've already said, just to be above the work. No, because the fivefold ministry, if their heart is truly in it, they constantly have a hammer in their hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're constantly building the boat uh, while also preaching to this lost and dying world. Uh, hallelujah. Because it's their burden to build up. Build up. Hallelujah. So that is the purposes of the fivefold ministry. Now let's talk about the goals. Well, I know we've already said these are our purposes, but, but specific goals for us to reach for. I apologize, this fast has got me parched, dehydrated. <laughs> I'm trying to drink more water. All right, the goal of the fivefold ministry is to help saints mature in the Lord. We said it in our Discover Purpose class. If you've not been part of our Discover Purpose class, we encourage you, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we are starting it again at 7 o'clock. 
our Discover Purpose class, and uh, I'm very excited about it. But one port, portion of that class is we talk about one of the purposes of the church in general is to help mature the saints. It's not my desire that I should have to be a pastor who has to tell you everything and, and you, you have to come to me about every little detail of your life and question. You, you'd have to come to me to ask me if you should buy a car or anything like that. I want you know, first thing I'll ask you is what color is it? So, um, you know, you don't, it's not my job. Of course, I can give you as much advice as I possibly can. I'll pray for you and pray that God gives you the answer. But at the end of the day, my goal is not to try to tell you everything you're supposed to do, but to help you to grow in your walk with God to where you can be confident that you hear the voice of God for yourself. Praise God. That's what ministry is all about. As a parent, my goal is, of course, to take care of my children. But my more important goal is to help them to take care of themselves. Amen. So I want to continue to feed the church as much as I can. But I also want to equip the church to feed themselves. And certainly maturity is coming to that level where you do not need the ministry as much as before. You still honor and respect and come and and participate, but the necessity of having them in your life is less and less because they've equipped you with everything you need to survive so that when you are not in the presence of the ministry, you'll live for God with fear and trembling. Amen. So the goal of the fivefold ministry helps saints to mature in the Lord. What does spiritual maturity look like? Number one, that we should come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of Christ. So that means maturity looks like me growing in my understanding of scriptural principles. As the fivefold ministry, I have a burden, and, and the fivefold ministry needs to have a burden, a passion to teach the Word of God. At the end of the day, I want to give you every bit of knowledge that I have. You want to know why I'm constantly talking and teaching and doing all that? You sit down with me and talk to me. I'm teaching and talking about scriptures and and I'm getting in deep and I'm doing all this. It's because I realize that all that I have, I want to give it to you. And hopefully you'll go even further than I have. Hallelujah. Because you're smarter than me, I guarantee it. Praise God. But that we would come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Christ. And also that we would find perfection according to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, it is my goal to help you become like Christ. That's my goal. As a minister, that's what I want for you. That's what I'm searching for you. As fivefold ministry, that is what we're preaching for, teaching for. It's so that you can become like Christ. So that when you look in the mirror, yeah, you see your face. And if it doesn't scare you, hallelujah. Maybe you look closely, you say, you know what? I look more and more like Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you look at your actions. I act 
more and more like Jesus. I talk more and more like Jesus. I act like him. That is the most important thing. And that's what the goal is of the fivefold ministry. Finally, the third goal is stability in faith and doctrine. I want you, the fivefold ministry has a passion to help you to be rooted and grounded in your faith that no other wind of doctrine could come and blow you over and to disrupt what God is doing in your life. Because I guarantee you start to grow in your walk with God, you're going to have that wind blow from time to time. Those winds of doctrine will come and it'll blow on you and you'll feel tempted to sway a little bit. Well, maybe this or maybe that. Maybe I don't have, a, have to have such a, a passion about Jesus' name baptism. Maybe I don't need to, to believe so much in Holy Ghost speaking in tongues or oneness of God. Or Maybe, maybe I don't need to, to believe so much that, that I can't live this way or live that way. And it's because of the influences of the world, the winds of doctrine. But thank God for the fivefold ministry that is helping to root us and ground us in the doctrine that we be not carried about by every wind of doctrine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's talk about the fivefold ministry. Let's break them down a little bit more. Let me first clarify one thing. There and, and one of the reasons why there is not a lot of teaching on the fivefold ministry, specifically in our organization and uh, apostolic circles as of late, is because of the deception that can come when it comes to the fivefold ministry. Rather than the fivefold ministry being looked at as ministry or areas or avenues of servitude. Men and women have used the fivefold ministries as titles to elevate themselves above others. And that is not what the fivefold ministry is for. So I want to clarify a couple things. First, if God is calling you to become a prophet, apostle, teacher, pro- a pastor, uh, or uh, evangelist, God's called you to become those things or work in those offices. One thing I have a burden about, and and this is going to sound contradictory, I have a burden to not use those terms to describe myself. Now, some of you say, well, you describe yourself as Pastor Remy, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But there were times when God used me in the office of a prophet, but I wasn't walking around saying, I'm prophet so-and-so, because I do not want to use these titles to elevate myself in any way. If you proclaim that you're prophet so-and-so, you've already lost the favor of God. Because the Bible says if you elevate yourself, he'll put you down. But if you lower yourself, he'll elevate you up. Amen. Praise God. If other people call you prophet so-and-so, that's God. Let them. That's God elevating you, but you don't do it yourself because we're not here to exercise lordship over the flock. Amen. Hallelujah. So why then, Pastor Mian, would you call yourself Pastor Mian? 
Well, because in the sense of me being the pastor, I am the overseer of this church. This is an official uh, title over a body of believers or over a group of people like this. It is not just a biblical or spiritual term anymore. It is, in fact, a secular term. People understand that the pastor of a church is the person who is the overseer of the church. And that role, and we'll talk about the, the fivefold ministry, the office of a pastor in a minute, but the role of a overseer of the church is distinct that it would hold that clarification and need that clarification where you'd say, well, who's the pastor of the church? Well, you know who the pastor of the church is. You know who the overseer of the church. And there is, again, uh, some some scriptures to support this. And, and really, when we get down to it, what we have to do in approaching scripture is to get rid of our uh, common mindset of what me- words mean, right? Because there's a lot of times we call evangelists, what we mean is a minister who just drives around and preaches at all bunch of different churches. That's not necessarily what a fivefold ministry evangelist is. See, these terms, we have applied them to things, and what we're doing today is trying to talk about biblically what these things mean. So 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, it says, The elders which are among you, an elder would be the pastor. And you'll see why. We call them pastors in a minute, but the elders among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, I'm not getting rich off of this, but already mine, praise God. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. That's exactly what we're here to do. Not to exercise lordship, but to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, the word pastor means shepherd. When the chief shepherd, who is above the pastor, and this is talking about God, Jesus, he shall appear ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Hallelujah. So the secular term is to call me the pastor because I'm the overseer. I'm also the CEO or the president of Higher Purpose Pentecostal Church if you look at our official uh, paperwork. Hallelujah. So that's why, in my opinion, that we would have a clarification there. Because these are roles that need to be understood. If there is not the distinguishment of that role of the pastor, there would be much confusion, right? So we're not here to call me pastor so that I can lord over the flock, so that we can do anything like that. But again, for clarification, so that we can pinpoint the overseer of this group of believers. Does that make sense? Amen. But now let's talk specifically about the fivefold ministry. This is just a very uh, simple way. And, and again, I'm going to hopefully break these down individually one by one. This is just a quick way I wanted to show that we could understand the fivefold ministry a little bit more. 
First, at the very bottom, we have the legs. Now, you know the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ. And what we do, we are operating that body. You know, like you can imagine a robot or whatever, and you got the controls. We are operating the body of Christ by working together, by working in the ministry. We're operating the body of Christ. So it is our responsibility to act the way that we believe the body of Christ should act. Amen? Hallelujah. If we want the body of Christ to do something, we need to do it, right? Uh, you know, I, I, another, another point that we make in the Discover Purpose class, again, I'll say next Saturday, praise God, at 7 o'clock if you've not been a part of it. Another point that we make is that we are the church, right? We've been hearing that over and over and over again. We are the church. It is absolutely true. This building right here is not the church. This is where the church comes to gather. But we are the church. And if we are the church then that means who I am is what the church becomes. So if I'm nasty, then the church is nasty. Am I right? If I'm kind, then the church is kind. If I'm friendly, then the church is friendly. Why do you say that, Pastor? Well, uh, you know, I've had experience. We had one guy come to church, and this was when we were real low in numbers. Uh, yes, even lower. <laughs> we were real low enough. I mean, I'm talking about a handful of people. And he came to church, and we had service, and I preached, and, and, you know, we didn't have worshipers back then. And all the worshipers were on the platform playing and singing. And, you know, so he, after service, he came to me and said, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I, I, I like church that's on fire. And I knew exactly where he was going with this. So I said, that's great. Me too. He said, no, no, I mean, I like a church that is really worshipful. I said, wonderful. That's exactly how, what the kind of church I want to belong to. He said, but your church isn't that way. I said, because you're not here to make it that way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We, we sometimes look at the church like it's something outside of us, right? No, if you want to belong to a church that worships, what are you going to do? Worship. You want a church that preaches with the preacher? Preach with the preacher. You want a church that lives holy? Live holy, praise God. You want a giving church? Then give, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. We are responsible for operating the body. So we have the fivefold ministry to help us operate the body of Christ. The apostle, the legs of the church. The apostle is the visionary. In our modern language, our modern terminology, we might call them missionaries. These are men and women who have a burden to take the gospel to places it's never reached before. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. And as a, in terms of the local body of Christ, the apostle, they're visionaries. They're always dreaming what's next. How can we take this church to higher heights? How can we move the legs forward into new areas of our city? How can we reach new different types of people? How can we expand our building? How can we expand the music department? Apostles are visionaries. Praise God. Evangelists, they are the arms. Why? Because they're reaching. They're the ones who are constantly reaching. Reaching for a soul. Oh, hallelujah. Reaching for somebody to come to church. Trying to help somebody get on their feet. Hallelujah. The evangelists often, they're, they're givers. They're constantly giving out money. Evangelists are poor usually <laughs> because they give away all their money because they have a heart for the lost. And, and though they may support and help people in the church, really their arms are constantly reaching for those outside of the church. That's their area of expertise. That's their passion is to reach. Everybody say reach. Then we come to the heart. That's the pastor. The pastor is here to constantly remind us that we are human beings. The pastor is here to love the saints. This is something, and I'll, and I'll talk more about it as we get to the lesson of a pastor. But this is something, when I became pastor, I was, about, I was a pastor for about four or five years and realized I did not know what it meant to be a pastor. And it wasn't until I completely transformed, you can ask Sister Me, and I completely transformed my ministry once I started studying what a pastor was. And that almost immediately, that's when all of you started showing up. So you didn't even know me before I was really acting as a pastor. Before that, all I wanted to be was an evangelist. When I realized I got to start loving the saints. I got to start calling people, checking up on people. I got to go and sit with people who've lost family members, preach funerals. That's what pastors do. They're the heart of the church. Their heart is constantly beating for the saints, for their well-being. They're constantly guarding them, trying to protect them from the cares of this life, trying to protect them from the winds of doctrine. The pastor is the heart of the church. Then we get to the prophets. The prophets are scary. <laughs> the prophets are the mouth. If we're the body of Christ, the Bible says he is the head. That means that he's the one who is operating, needs to operate. The prophet has to become the mouthpiece of God. The prophet has to say, thus saith the Lord. And often the prophetic ministry is a spiritual ministry. It's meant to keep the church's focus on the kingdom of God and not this kingdom right here. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. The prophets are utilized in the gifts of the Spirit they're constantly trying, attempting to be sensitive to the Spirit of God so that they may speak 
the words and will and plan of God. The prophetic voice is important. The prophetic voice guides the church and helps us to know where to go, when to go. Yes, I believe the prophet is still essential for the church. I believe we need the office of the prophet in this church right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Finally, the teachers. I said that God is the head of the church. The Bible tells us that when we have the spirit, we have the mind of Christ. The teacher is the one who is here to help us acquire that mind and understand that mind. The teachers are the one who are clarifying the mind of Christ. They teach us, help us to ground us that we can again withstand the wind of doctrine. They open up the word of God. They make it plain and clear so that when you walk out, you're not just thinking, wow, that was a great service. I don't know what was said though, right? (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) No, but they give you meat to chew on. You can tell a a teacher just got done teaching when all week long you're chewing on it and you're thinking about that sermon or that lesson and you just can't help it. It's because it's, it's the mind of Christ being communicated to the body of Christ. That's the teachers. Is this all right? Hallelujah. Is this clarifying? Praise God. And as I said, we're going to go even deeper in each and every one of these roles. I'm probably going to take a Wednesday night for each of them as we go along. There's just a couple more things I wanted to say, however. And that is, first of all, often we look at the fivefold ministries as, okay, now we've got five men in the church. They're the fivefold ministries. I don't believe that's what God desired. In fact, I believe that God designed the fivefold ministry. And yes, there are fivefold ministry. These are leadership roles or offices, but they are simply meant to help keep the heartbeat of God in the church. If there is a prophet, it's not because they're the only ones being used in prophetic ministry. It's because they're trying to help the church stay balanced in the prophetic ministry. Hallelujah. Praise God. So what we see is that these are offices or departments, if you will. Within the larger church, these are departments of the church. We need prophets. And yes, I put one above because usually that's what God does. God will call one or two individuals who are highly gifted in those offices to lead that department. But I tell you, even if you don't ever stand behind that pulpit, even if you never become a leader in the church, you can still be used in the gifts of the Spirit. I remember, I won't go through the whole story, I don't have time, but I remember several times in my life having men and women who were not leaders in the church at all come up to me and speak absolutely prophetically to me. And I was thinking, who is this guy? Just come find out he was just somebody at a church. Not a preacher. Not a leader. I tell you, we need people who are operating in the department of the prophet. 
The same thing with pastors. Hallelujah. Yes, we need the pastor who can organize and lead this department, but we also need people who have the heart of the pastor who will say, I'm going to embrace my family. I'm going to embrace the saints. I'm going to support them. I'm going to help them. We need teachers who will go out and teach Bible studies, helping people to grow. You don't need a pulpit ministry to do it. You don't need to be that teacher of the church. Just get involved in that department. We need apostles who are builders of the church, visionaries, constantly making the church better. One man can't do it. You might have a leader that God will place in the church, but it's just to keep the church looking and moving forward. Well, we need evangelists who are working in the church, who are reaching out, who don't have a pulpit ministry, but they've got a burden to reach their loved ones. Praise God. That is why the Bible specifically tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. He's talking about the ministry. We all should covet to prophesy. Then he says, in, then 2 Timothy 4, 5 tells us, he's talking to the bishops, the overseers. He said, do work in the office of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. He said, I, I know this isn't your department, but do the work of an evangelist. And he tells them in 2 Timothy 2, 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. So I can't just sit back and say, well, I'm not the teacher. That's his job. Hallelujah. In actuality, what we must do is sometimes we jump from department to department as the need arises. Amen. Hallelujah, we operate from department to department. I had somebody present a question not too long ago. There's a, a several very well-known evangelists that have recently stopped evangelizing and started churches. And when I say well-known, I mean they are the most sought-after evangelists in our organization. People like Josh Hearing, Victor Jackson, they've preached in front of literally hundreds of thousands of people. Um, they've actually done it probably in one service. They've done it. What, how big was Youth Congress? Like 60,000 people, right? I think it was 20,000. That recently, the, the largest one's like 60,000 people. And they both, at one point or the other, have preached that conference. These are the most sought-after evangelists. And now they become pastors. And the question arose, well, you know, if they're called to be an evangelist, why are they taking on the role of a pastor? Do we not believe in the fivefold ministry? He said the fivefold ministry doesn't belong to any individual. The fivefold ministry belongs to the church. These are departments in the church. And sometimes when one area is lacking, someone from one department has to be sent over to another department so that there will be a fill, fulfilling in that role, in that department. The fact of the matter is, is at the end of the day, the ministry just has to keep moving forward. We just have to keep working. Hallelujah. No matter where God's called you, just keep acting. I've told some people this. When I was in my father's church, I greatly was used, and I don't, I don't mean to make this sound braggy or anything like that, but God used me a lot in the prophetic ministry. 
I guided the church. I, I was often used uh, in the spiritual gifts in that church. At the time, there was nobody else to fill it, and God used me. Towards the end, before we became pastor, my role switched a little bit. I became more of an evangelist. I started traveling and preaching, and we started seeing souls after souls getting saved, receiving the Holy Ghost. It just came just so easily in that time. And then it changed again when we became pastors of the church, and I couldn't pray a single person through the Holy Ghost. And, and I struggled to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I feel recently God has helped me to get a balance more for myself. But I tell you, at some point, as people, men and women, arise in these offices, I will have to be used less as an evangelist and more in the, the calling, the office that God's called me in as a pastor because there will be evangelists who will serve in those departments. Here's my challenge. Here's what I feel in the spirit. I feel like God is calling people and saying there's some empty seats, some departments without heads, and I need my men, my children to step up and to take on these responsibilities and say, yes, Lord, if you want to use me as a prophet, I'll be a prophet. If you want to use me as an evangelist, I'll be an evangelist. You want to use me as an apostle or a teacher or a pastor, then so be it. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Let's all stand today. So where is God calling you? Where is your heartbeat? I don't, again, I'm not saying you got to take on a pulpit ministry. I, I'm not saying you got to take on a leadership ministry right now. I'm just saying, what department is God calling you to? Where are you going to step up and fill a role in? Because we need you. We need evangelists. We need prophets. We need pastors. We need teachers. We need apostles. We need you to step up. Hallelujah. I'm wondering if I could have some people. I know it's late, but can we have some people to come down to this altar with that question on your heart and say, God, where do I belong? What department are you calling me in? Oh, Jesus, what department are you calling me in? My heart is open to you, Jesus. My mind is open 